everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Kylie Adele. Kylie is a friend of mine, and she's a holistic health practitioner from mental aspects of health to emotion, diet, and exercise. She coaches Canadians online, does free yoga classes, and you can find her on her Instagram, Kylie Adele, Adele with two A's, and her website, Kylie Adele, Adele with one A, dot com. Please welcome Kylie, and welcome to the show. Thank you. And it should work this time. I deleted a few programs and transferred a few of the audio files and, um, to my Google Drive. So it should all be good this time. So deleted files. And, I don't know why. Sometimes I do. I don't know what happens, but I deleted some of the programs that typically pop up. So that should be good to go. And still had some of the old uh, financial software on there. So I deleted a couple of those. So it should run smoothly today. It should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, but yeah. So, what was your yoga class about today? Was it just a full, general flow? Yeah. So I teach all levels flow, which is just like uh, there's standing postures, grounded postures as well. Um, and flow just means, um, or the English word is flow. The Sanskrit word is vinyasa. So it's just connecting the body to the breath. And then I teach a gentle flow, which is all stuff, all postures on the ground. So it's all about mobility and flexibility, breathing and relaxation. And then I teach a power flow, which is the class that I created in 2012. And it's a mix of um, like functional fitness, uh, vinyasa yoga, Pilates, all kinds of cool stuff. Hold on. I don't know what the hell is happening. I don't worry. You know what we could do? What is that? I can record the answers in an audio file and send you that. Yeah, do that as well. Let's do that. Okay. We'll keep this rolling just in case. Okay, let me see. So we'll see what is happening. Uh, Hey Siri, open audio file. Hey Siri, off. Hey Siri, open voice memos. Yeah, so far I think it's going good, but let's have a backup just in case. Usually, usually it doesn't happen and never has happened like this before, but it seems like it's working fine, but yeah, let's have a backup just in case. Man, I'm supposed to be professional. I'm just amateur hour right now. What? So I'm supposed to be professional right now. It's amateur hour right here. <laughs> no, it's hard. Like, you know what? I'm trying to record yoga classes and yeah, like if if you don't have like all of the storage space and these like gaming computers, it's so hard and you lag all the time. So like I'm trying to record yoga classes right now. And um yeah, it's it's really tough. So I need to get better equipment because same thing, storage problems every single day. 
Yeah, and these broadcasters make it seem so easy, but they have producers and everything. And exactly, yeah. and it's tons of money. Like man, these people. Yeah, I looked up uh, Joe Joe Rogan's setup, and yeah. I think I want to say just the microphones he uses. I think they're about around three hundred a pop. I'm pretty sure, just for the microphones, not the not the not the cable, not the boom, and yep. Plus, plus the actual video cameras and oh, it's, oh you froze. Exactly. You're I'm the, trying to record all these yoga classes, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll just get an app, and I'll just do that. <laughs> <laughs> an app is like two hundred thousand dollars. Oh you man, know? yeah. All said and done, it's like, oh okay, well that's what I'll do. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Ari, Ari, you started recording, so this is Ari, part of the podcast. That's how I, I roll. So. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. But I know we were chatting before about yoga and how you got started, but um, I guess, yeah, it's laid out first. Um, like, what exactly do you do in terms of wellness and fitness and just making people feel better? And then how did your journey start in just wellness and fitness in general? <clears throat> okay, well, I'll start off with how I started, I guess. Um, so this is my 20th year practicing yoga. Um, so I've been doing it for a long time. So it's definitely part of my life now. Um, and I feel that like I was really overweight when I was a child. And I would have like angina attacks in school, or, like I couldn't breathe properly. Like it was just like, I couldn't run. Like there's all, everyone was an athlete and I was just, you know, overweight and just bleh. So I remember when I was like maybe 12, 13, 14, maybe a little bit younger. And I just thought, you know, I need to make a change. I want to be healthier. Um, and it just like this thing just came in me that I just, I just wanted to be healthier. So I went to my local library and I read every single book that they had on alternative health, wellness. Um, and I thought, you know, you just got to work out, but I was too young to go to the gym. Didn't even know anything about the gym really. Um, and so I remember I read all these books and I went home and I started doing like circles in my basement and I would just run and do all these <laughs> and, uh, it was winter, I guess. And so I just, I started losing a lot of weight and you're younger than me you're a lot younger than me but there was these uh these tapes like from billy blanks (laughs) i don't know if you know what that is but billy blanks had like this tybo yeah tybo that's what it was and um yeah so i just started freaking doing tybo which is like kickboxing and aerobics and all this stuff i was doing it in my basement i just got super ripped and uh it was awesome so in high school I was already like, like ahead of the game. I had studied all of this stuff about functional fitness and muscles and anatomy. And I was just like, I couldn't get enough of it. I read every single book. I was always constantly learning online. I remember even in high school, I got them to create um, a healthy lifestyles class and I co-created it with them. And I worked at the gym. So yeah, we created this credit in high school called healthy lifestyles, where we learn um, about different activities, not just sports stuff and like going to the gym. So we learned, um, we learned a bunch of cool things there and I wanted to go into kinesiology in university. And, but I felt that it wasn't like natural enough. 
So I was kind of wondering like, man, I know what I want to do, but there's no kind of education for it. <clears throat> so I didn't really know. I didn't even, I didn't really know what to kind of do from there. Um, but yeah, I just, I continued to learn, did all the self-study, natural medicine, natural health, holistic health was not like, it wasn't anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like there was one woman in our town locally that had, um, a holistic health practice and I was obsessed with it. Like I loved it. I was like, Oh, cool. This is exactly what I want to do. Nobody really heard of it. Um, it wasn't popular. Like all, like none of this was popular. So that's why I kind of, I really liked it. And then, um, I became a mother, like I got married, I, I stayed uh, in my community. I kind of put that on the back burner a little bit, but I was super healthy. Like, I mean, I wouldn't eat any sugar. I wouldn't eat like any, any bad, anything. I had like these healthy pregnancies, all this. Well, so you never, you never had those weird uh, cravings when you're pregnant and had like just those weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I did. but yeah. you, you didn't, you didn't have like the ice cream or. Oh, I did. You did. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. yeah, I, yeah, ice cream and poutine. But like, I remember when I was really young, like there was probably about 18 months when I was absolutely obsessed with the gym that I did not have any fat or any sugar. So this was like, this was like a bad extreme. Mm -hmm. So I was like a high school girl. I never had any chocolate. I never even, I remember I would order salad with no dressing, no croutons, nothing. People thought I was just a complete psycho. And my willpower was just amazing, but I was committed to being super healthy and like ripped and all of this stuff. Um, but it was too, it was too strict and it was too crazy. And I became way too obsessed with it, but I, I wanted to really get into the, the holistic path, the holistic health part. I was practicing yoga, doing yoga tapes that I could find, um, and really liked the, like the wellness part of it. I liked the, the slowdown. I liked, and I also liked the ability, like it looked pretty to me. Like it, it wasn't dance. It wasn't, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just thought it was like a spiritual practice that I, I no one really knew about that I wanted to get into. So I was practicing every day and learning about all the different pillars of health and trying to figure out how I can make a career out of this. Um, so I remember even in grade 12, there was like a business class that we took and I laid out the whole business plan, like this whole holistic health center. I was going to be a, a nutritionist, a health practitioner. Like I loved it. I had everything, everything down. And I wish I could go back to that teacher and see my business plan and compare it now. Mm -hmm. But, and I did exactly that. So I don't know how many years later, probably 10 years later, but, uh, I created our, uh, I created a holistic health and wellness center in Northern Manitoba. The first, um, hot yoga studio up here. Um, I became a nutritionist, a yoga instructor, um, God, I don't know what else, a bunch of different things. And, um, and just had this, this center that was like an oasis, I guess, for people here in the North. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think right now. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think holistic nutrition, I think that's kind of been on the rise the past few years. I don't think like even in around maybe 2010, 2015, 16, I don't think it was really popular yet no. i think it was just on the rise but i think now like definitely a lot more places offer holistic nutrition holistic training and it's a lot more i guess yeah. it's a lot more popular and you find it there's a shift because you're from a, i guess a small remote town in 
northern Manitoba. And were you born and raised there and decided to stay? And and have you seen like uh, a shift? Yeah. So I was born and raised here. I never wanted to stay here. That was <laughs> absolutely not. Like I wanted to move to um, Edmonton. I was 16. Like I had it all laid out. And then I got married, so that kind of <laughs> screwed it up a little bit, screwed <laughs> up my dream. Um, right. Yeah. So I I moved to Edmonton actually years and years later. But um, yeah, small rural mining town where, you know, it's a little bit more closed-mindedness. Um, and just for the fact that a lot of people aren't exposed to different things, like people in the city are, like when we were talking about before. Um So what, uh, to go back to what you said about kind of holistic nutrition trending now, I guess, um, basically it's holistic health, quote unquote, is I would say trending because people are, or society is allowing this new generation to be vulnerable and to talk about their feelings like Bell, let's talk like that was never a thing, you know, in high school or when I was younger. So all of these new initiatives are encouraging, um, encouraging people to open up about their mental health. And we'll probably see in the next maybe five, 10 years, maybe, maybe five years, it's going to be emotional health that people are going to be all on top of. And then probably in about 10, 15, 20 years, it's going to be like spiritual health is everywhere. So um, it's not, we're not going as fast as I think we should be, but at least it's a step that this isn't just, physical health that we need to be focused on. It's nice to see these mental health initiatives happening. So when you see fitness, the fitness industry moving into these holistic services, what they're trying to do is make people feel better on every single level, whether they know how to, you know, provide that service or not. I think that's a a healing journey and a self journey, self discovery journey for each person. And I think it's really important to find a qualified coach that's um, qualified in trauma and different kind of mental health um, avenues instead of just, you know, well, if I give you a holistic health plan, this is what we're doing. I'm going to give you some whole food and whole this, whole that. But I think for most people, you know, deep down, it's the emotional health above everything that, um, that we need to focus on because people will suppress as much as they possibly can. And once you find out like what a person's why is, what their purpose is, then everything else kind of falls into place. So I would think that I would say the physical health part is the easiest part of, you know, an exercise program or a wellness program. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to get your mind healthy first and you have to get your, you know, your emotional self healthy as well and let people know that, hey, this is, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to dig out the suppressed emotions. We're trying to dig out some childhood traumas that we all have that affects our relationships and the way we behave and think and act. Um, and I think that once we're able to focus on digging that stuff out, then everything else kind of falls into place. So when you said that about holistic health happening, I think people are realizing now that that part is important, but I think a lot of coaches and instructors and um, practitioners are still trying to navigate how to offer that to people. So whether that's finding um, social workers or counselors or therapists to work with or to learn from, to be able to offer people like this, like the actual holistic health package. 
Um, and so hopefully that that'll be the norm. So that when you hire a coach or a trainer or instructor, it isn't just, here's your gym plan, here's your food and that's it, you know, because if you're not mentally well or emotionally well, all that is, is words on paper. You know, you, how do you actually now incorporate that into your life? You know, what books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? How are your relationships at home? Like, how do your, how does your car look? How does the inside of your car look? How does the inside of your house look? You know, all of these little things, these habits that we need to teach people to be their actual healthy, like the healthiest, strongest versions of themselves and not just be like, well, here's your workout plan. Go, go do some deadlifts and eat some almonds, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, so, I, and I think, I think you're a hundred percent right. Cause I think, you know, you could start off, you know, well in the gym, but then, uh, it's probably part of the reason, like in combination of maybe uh, setting um, huge audacious goals, but like the New Year's revolution resolutioners, you know, every year where they sign up for a gym membership and then within one to two months, it's back down to the regular people at the same gym. And part of that is probably because one, they don't have uh, maybe a necessarily a good plan of attack. You know, you go from not working out at all to maybe going five times a week. You're obviously not going to like it at all or, or yeah. maybe dislike it. But then also part of that is, yeah, you're right. Mindset. Like you could, like when I started my fitness journey, I was still kind of, I uh, just got out of, uh, I guess it was my high school sweetheart, first serious girlfriend. Yeah. And in, in a way I wanted to sh- kind of show her I was kind of better, that I was better than her. And then I kind of got, like you did, way too obsessed. And I thought only a certain foods were healthy. I didn't really see my friends much. And yes, I, I was healthy and fit physically, but mentally I think I still had a lot of you know resentment and anger built up inside me, and definitely Absolutely. translated to different areas of my life. So, I guess if someone is looking to start, would you like? I guess as a coach yourself and someone who helps people through the process, how do you typically start someone off? Generally, do you sit down with them, kind of go through like certain questions and determine kind of where they're at, or do you try to figure out what their goals are first? Or yeah, so everybody does an intake with me. Um, I kind of like to figure out how people think for one, that's the first and foremost. So so we have like an hour consultation. I always like getting that Myers-Briggs test out of the way. (laughs) I'm obsessed with it because it's so it's easier for me. Like I love the psychology of people. Like once I can figure out how people think, then it's easy for me to help them and to communicate with them. So, um, and I, I I mean, people argue with it to see if it's accurate or not, but it helps helps me a lot. So if I know that someone's an introvert, they're going to be very different than me as an extrovert in going to a gym or to joining a group class or something like that. So then I have to realize that there's that emotional piece that I can't just give this person the same program as I would give someone else because they probably won't follow through because that's not their behavior. Um, so I like to figure out that, um, as well as, you know, how do they process, process information? Are they a visual learner? Do they like a lot of information all at once? Do they like little pieces of information? So I try to ask them questions where I find out how they think. And then I ask them questions so that I find out how they behave. And then I ask them questions like, what is, like, what is your reason? What is your reason for working with me? And a lot of people, they'll say the same thing. I'm just, I'm stuck in a rut. I'm tired. And so then I'll think, okay, well, or I'll ask them questions like what got you here? You know, how is your, how are your relationships? 
And I'll try to ask them questions that I know might be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's the only way that I find out, like I, I dig and try to find out, okay, what's your real reason here? So some people are really open and they'll just tell me right away. Like for instance, for you, you know, they'll say, I just got out of a serious relationship. I'm, I just need, I need a, a life change right now and to do something different and shock the system. So then I know, okay, they're ready to go. That's their purpose. That's their fire. That's already been built and established for other people. They don't know what that fire is yet. So I got to ask them questions like, what is the reason? And it'll always go back to some kind of emotional reason. That's why I can't just look at someone and say, like, I never ask, like, do you want to lose weight? Never. If someone says that, then yeah. Um, or if they want to build muscle, those are the last questions that I'll ask. The first questions will always be, you know, like, what is, what's your reason? What's your main concern? What's your main complaint? What's your why? What's your reason? How are your relationships and that kind of stuff? And then I fire them up and then we go from there. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of figuring out why they reached out to me because a lot of people would probably want to hire a coach, but sometimes something has to click in their head where they're just like, okay, I'm freaking done. Like I need to hire someone. And then they contact me. So I know that they're already at some kind of breaking point where they've contacted me. And then I need to make them feel comfortable enough to tell me what that breaking point was. So usually, um, I like to figure out how they think, how they work, befriend them so that there's a comfortable relationship there because we're going to be talking about emotions literally every single day. And the way that I communicate with them, I want to make sure that they realize it's a safe and supported space so that they can share that kind of stuff with me. Because for a lot of people, you know, that vulnerability is really scary because we've been taught that when we share information like this, we're either shut down or we're told, you know, we're a drama queen or we're a, you know, a pansy or whatever, (laughs) you know? So I always, I'll ask those really hard questions that'll kind of shock them a little bit like, Oh, like that's a really personal question, but I'll ask those questions all the time and then lay it out for them to show them that this is a safe space. So then that dialogue is open. And then all the other things like, Hey, did you go to the gym today? What, what did you eat? Like all that other stuff, that's just, you know, part of it. But really I'm just kind of like an emotional coach. <clears throat> I think that would be extremely valuable. I think, and do you find, you know, based on your experience that maybe men in general have maybe more held in maybe emotional trauma or because stereotypically, you know, at least for me, like I'm, I'm like, I'm a guy and I, sometimes I can be a guy's guy, but you know, I, I really love romantic movies. And I really, I really love emotion. I really took like Shakespeare and, and my brother, um, he's part of the LGBT community. And so he did like plays and musicals. So I got into that. Like I love musicals. I think it's awesome. And, and, you know, if you're around like stereotypical dudes, like, and you share the information, well, like you mentioned, don't be like, you're a pansy, you're a bitch. Like, why you yeah. like that? And you no, know, occasionally, you know, sometimes there are jokes, but you know, especially maybe like in a a pandemic where maybe you only see only spend your time with a certain amount of people only, and then you're isolated half the time. Well, then that can really play a, a toll on your mind, even if you are doing well over time, it could build and build, you know, without even knowing it. So, so do you find typically that guys, you know, usually have, I won't say, I won't say more than women. Cause also we go through life differently. Different experiences mean different things to us, but do you find on average that 
like when you sit down with a, a man versus a woman, you're like, whoa, like this guy has a lot going on. Yeah. So guys are guys are really easy to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. they they are because you know I really like Gen Z because they are being taught vulnerability is healthy and okay. Um, the older guys, so I would say like older millennials um, to like the older generation there, those are the ones that are way harder to crack <laughs> because they've been conditioned, you know, that they need to be an alpha and that they need to be strong and mentally strong, um, which is true. We all need to be mentally strong, but um suppressing emotions is just not a vibe anymore. Like it just isn't. So especially with younger guys, I like, I love, I love showing them that it is okay to, um, to talk about things and, and help them, you know, like you can tell they'll come off right away. They're, they try to be strong they try to be this, they try to be that. And then I just look at them like I can just see right through it all. Um, especially how they act in relationships. Um, you can really tell their attachment style. So that's another thing that I really And would that be uh, romantic relationships or friendships? All, all relationships. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, their relationships with their parents, with their friends, with their girlfriends or wives, um, how they are at work, and really kind of, I, I don't know if role play is, is the right thing, but... I like to kind of help them um, because when you when you have someone uh, as a as a client, you know you're going to hear about all kinds of things, how they are at work, or their problems at work, or this happened with their boss, or this oh you know I had a problem with my wife or whatever. You're going to hear about all of this stuff all of the time. So um, I like to be able to provide that advice from like a woman's perspective. So right away they know that talking to a girl is obviously more um is more safe to them than if they were to like emotionally talk to another man or another like a, a male coach so right off the hop i like to um just say certain things or or lay it out just like i do with women just to show that it's a safe space and to provide examples for them that you know it is okay to to talk about emotions um and i i i'm really strong in the beginning when I say like, like, it's not, it's not cool to act tough. Like it just isn't. And if you're going to, um, try to suppress your feelings or whatever, you're going to just keep having tight hips. You're going to keep having a tight back. Like every guy that I see does. Um, and just, just really reiterate, like, it's okay to discuss how you're feeling. And sometimes they'll talk and they'll say, well, I'm, I'm not someone who likes to talk about their emotions yet. Like nobody does. Nobody likes to talk about their emotions, women, men, kids, like adults, like nobody likes to talk about it. So it's just that constant reassurance, like, Hey, this is your healing journey. Um, so that what, whatever information they give me, I like to respond back in a really positive and supportive way. And just, always like, and I find with men too, they, they like praise. They respond a, a lot better to praise than women do, you know? So just, um, for both men and women, just to show that, um, you know, that there is, there are people out there that provide that safe space for expression. 
And um, when you become into, when you get into the habit of expressing your feelings, you build confidence. So you're expressing your feelings like to a coach or to a therapist or to a counselor. And you're doing this often so much. And it's just a repetitive pattern that you build up that confidence so that when you take it into your outside life with your relationships, and if people say like, Oh, Matt, that's not cool. And then you just look at them like, Hey, no, like you're not cool. Like as if you responded to me that way, you know? So I think with any type of, I don't want to say negative behavior, but any type of like suppressed emotions or suppressed or um, different ways or backwards ways of thinking or behaving, when you have the chance to role play it with a safe person over and over and over and over, and then you build that confidence that those are like the primary tools that you need so that when you go out into the real world, like I just said, that it's so normal to you now that you actually recognize the behavior from other people. It's like, oh, okay, you're not awoke yet. <laughs> you haven't grown. You haven't done the inner work. Here I am. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I don't care. I'm talking to my therapist. Like I'm, I'm getting better with my wife. I'm getting better with this, that, or whatever. I have a strong morning routine. These people are not growing. So you like sniff those people out. So yeah, I just find that when, when we're able to create those safe safe relationships and safe relationships with women. Um, it's just, it's a healthier alternative or a healthier outcome for them. Yeah. And, and do you find, and that potentially, you know, either men or women who may be, I won't say put down or may, may make fun of, or make fun of you for certain things you do. Do you find maybe they potentially have experienced trauma themselves and uh, maybe haven't dealt with it or haven't faced it. And then maybe because you're, you're something that they want to be potentially, or they see that you're kind of brave. It's almost like being successful, right? People yeah. love to like watch these celebrities, but if you're someone who's successful, people are like, oh, she did this. She's not really successful. Like certain things like that. Do you find that's the same way maybe with emotional trauma where people, one person who's maybe expressing themselves fully, they're confident. And then other people who aren't, well, who maybe haven't bridged that gap yet, may will make fun of you or something in that regard. Like make fun of me? Just in general, like like I mentioned, like say for guys' example, like some guys are maybe a bit more attuned to their emotions. They they they're a bit more emotional. They don't they're not afraid to express themselves or maybe try different things that isn't maybe masculine, so to speak. And other guys make fun of them. Do you think maybe those guys, those typical guys who are making fun of that person, maybe have been, been through something themselves that they haven't dealt with personally? So then they're putting oh. on to other people. Yes. Well, yeah. So there's the saying, "Hurt people hurt other people," right? So, and I think, and I don't want to say this word because it's so basic, but you know, that being awoke, right? Like I can tell right away if someone is um, putting someone down for whatever reason, whether you're like guy on guy or guy on girl or girl on girl, you can tell that they have not done the inner work yet, that there definitely has been some trauma in their life or they are used to. Um, they're used to hurting other people because they're used to being hurt themselves by either their parents or their spouse or people in the workplace. So when I see that type of behavior now, and I mean, I used to be both on like both ends, hurting people, getting hurt, like, you know, that's just how humans are. And I can see now, like, um, like when I have people come to me and say, oh, my boss, this is what he did to me today. Like, I can't believe he did that. Like, oh my God, like, I can't believe he thinks that less of me or whatever it might be. And it's just like, 
okay, you have to stop and take yourself out of the equation and realize like this person has a lot of troubled issues that they are taking it out on you because they see you as a strong person, mentally strong. You have things going for you. So the thing, the thing is, if you don't stop and realize and recognize this behavior in in people that are hurt or people that have been traumatized and you continue to surround yourself with people like that, you know, the law, the law of attraction is that, or just the the basic energy law is that you're going to start thinking like them, or you're going to start absorbing that information and thinking that. So you have two things that you need to do there. You need to recognize this behavior. And as if you're a man and you recognize that and you realize that and you call it out, like that's strong masculinity, like that's strong behavior to just stand up tall and be like, Hey, you know, that is not right. This is who I am. I have, I have respect for myself. Um, I'm confident in my skills and my abilities. Um, Hey, like, I don't think you should be treating me like that. And then removing yourself from the situation. So, and that takes a lot of energy and that takes a lot of, um, a lot of effort, whether you have figured out that you got to leave a, like a job or leave a relationship So for like men and women, just standing in your own power and realizing like, Hey, like this is actually what I deserve calling the people out that hurt us, but doing so in like a really empathetic way. And sometimes I, like, I think people respond because when I said like hurt people, hurt people. So the, the antidote antidote to that, it's not hurt them back. Right. It's to, to give them that type of like sympathy and be like, Hey, like, you know, what's going on? Like, did something happen? Like something happened at home? Like, why are you so angry? What, what's happening? Some people will retaliate or a lot of people will say like, yeah, like I'm really sorry. Like this is what happened or no one's ever actually asked me how I'm doing. So I would say that, yeah, like the, the people that have been hurt the most or traumatized the most and have not been given that safe opportunity to work through their emotions because they've just been traumatized or, or bombarded with unsafe people and unsafe relationships and unsafe experiences. They're going to keep repeating the, the patterns until they are provided with that safe person that they can do the work with and stop hurting other people. And then the people that have done the work that realize this behavior that maybe they had in themselves before and they see in other people and they realize, oh, like, okay, this guy's not here yet, but I am. So these are my options. Stand up for myself, be empathetic to this guy, or remove myself from the situation. And, and you mentioned before that, you know, well, a, lot, a lot of guys you coach and help, that they always have tight hips and a sore back or a tight back. So would, yeah. it be, would it be fair to say that, you know, it's almost like if we – it's, you can probably touch this as well. You can probably touch on this. But it's like if we eat certain foods that we may not know that we're intolerant of or maybe aren't good for us. You know, you obviously feel it in your stomach sometimes if you eat a lot of candy. But I think sometimes food can be obviously can be inflammatory. So your joints can be inflamed and your joints will hurt a little bit potentially. But do you yeah. think that would go with the same with the kind of emotional trauma that if we hold on to these emotions, it could yes. have negative obviously mental aspects, but then obviously negative impacts on our body a hundred percent like i mean i'm sure all kinds of people or you know physiotherapists or whatever would argue with me but in holistic health 
A hundred percent. Like I said this, I think the last time I talked to you, the hips are the junk drawer of the emotions. So if you have, like if somebody has tight hips or like a tight back, I know that there's trapped emotions in there. I just like, I know. And the thing is like, especially hips with guys, like if I see a guy and he's stretching and he can bring his hands down to the floor and he's like, like I'll see him at the gym or yoga studio and they're strong and they're, you know, you can tell by their, their body and their body language, like they, they're flexible. Like I know, okay, that guy, that guy knows that guy has worked on himself. That guy is healthy on the inside as well. Or if I see a guy and a, and a guy comes up to me and he's kind of like, but his shoulders drooped down and was like, Oh yeah, I could never do that. Like I'm like, my back is so tight. You know, I played basketball in high school. Like, no, that's <laughs> not why your back is tight, sir. <laughs> you know? And so like, I'll talk to them a little bit more and it's like, yeah, because you were raised to suppress all your feelings. Like, like it's not, it's not rocket science. You know, every yoga teacher would probably say the same thing as me. Um, that even girls, like even if a girl came up to me and like, and she tells me like, my hips are tight. Like that, like that's less common obviously than for guys. Um, but then we'll just talk about things. And, and so that goes back to those initial questions on how they think and process and how they behave. And I look at their body language. So if I can tell by their body language that, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of self-worth, maybe their confidence is low. You're going to see that with their shoulders drooped. You're going to see that, um, they're going to have tight shoulders, tight hips, and then it's just like maximized times 10 with guys, right? Because they're just so used to not talking. So whatever their feelings are, they're just like suppressed or they're in relationships with, with toxic women too. And that could be like their mom or an auntie or a grandma or, you know, a wife or a sister where it's just like, you, like they don't realize it, but this, you know, this needs to be addressed where we just treat men like, well, you're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to take care of me. You're supposed to do all this. And we don't realize that we're inflicting all of this stress on them <clears throat> because they don't react. They do react mentally, but then they suppress all of that. So just going back to that, creating a safe space with, uh, you know, with a, with a woman or a coach or whatever to show them like, Hey, this is the way we deal with uh, emotions and then kind of train them or teach them role-playing how to, do that at home. And then once they do that inner work and have those emotional releases, they'll see that yoga becomes easier as well. Okay. Okay. And so, so if you have emotional trauma, but are also inflexible and that yoga would be more challenging. Oh yeah. Like if a guy comes up to me and he's just like, I don't know, like a, a stack of sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like a log, like a whole pile of firewood, like completely stiff coming into like a cross-legged position or their, their knees are up like right away. Like I just study them a little bit more and I ask them questions and I try to figure them out. You can tell, and you can tell with like both men and women, like if they have some kind of guard up, how they react or respond, how open or how close they are when they speak, um, you can just kind of tell. And so um, I think it's really um, important to be intuitive to that kind of stuff and realize that some of these journeys are really, really hard for people. And so, um, you know, the last thing that you want to tell a guy that 
is really inflexible, like, hey, yeah, you're so inflexible. You know, like just give them um, a couple postures here and there that they can work on every day. And a lot of guys too, they don't want to stretch like girls do. No, nobody wants to do this boring stuff because you have to sit still. You're not scrolling on your phone. You're not distracted, right? Um, so it's just really important to just keep everything simple and to teach people the the connection to your breath and your body. So that's kind of step one. So if you're in a pose, you're breathing in through your nose, lifting up, exhaling, coming down or holding or going deeper into the posture. And then, you know, after a few months, like once that the breath and body connection is established, then you can start focusing on, okay, well, what can I now invite? What kind of energy can I invite into the body while I'm taking in the air? And then as I'm exhaling, what can I release that isn't serving me well? So then that, then that is dipping into the subconscious mind, which takes a little while to, to get into that frame of mind to be able to tap into it. And then just be comfortable, like teaching someone to be comfortable with self-awareness and asking your own self, like, hey, what can I release today that isn't aligned with my purpose? And what can I invite into my mind that's going to lead me into the most, you know, benevolent outcome for for my life purpose? So if you're asking someone that just comes into a, a yoga class or you see a husband that's been dragged into yoga by his wife, and then I'm here talking about like, oh, yeah, like, let's release all of the junk out of our hips today. You know, we're going to let's release anything that isn't serving us well. And the guy's just like, man, like, all I wanted to do was stretch my hands. <laughs> what kind of witchcraft did you take? <laughs> you know, so you have to be really mindful of where people are at on every single level. You know, everyone comes to see me. Like when I had the yoga studio, I would say most people that were new to yoga would come into the class primarily for the physical benefits. They wanted to complement their gym practice. I don't know how many times I've heard that, you know, to stretch and become mobile. They're getting older. So they want to like learn all these things or whatever it may be. And then after a few months, then they start realizing like, whoa, this is way more than a physical practice. Um, you know, we're tapping into stuff like I didn't know needed to be tapped into, you know? So it's just really important to be mindful that everyone comes in stages. I never talk about like, I call it the fluff. The fluff is like, you know, the emotional stuff, the chakra system. Like that's another scary word for people that aren't into yoga. Um, like, and, and meet them at their, meet them where they're at. You know, I love when people realize these things, like I could dump all of this stuff on you. Like I am right now. Yeah. And then just be excited and like, yes, Peter, like, let go. You're going to, you're going to have all your chakras awakened, <laughs> you know? And you're just like, Whoa, Kylie's a psycho. Um, but then that like breaking it apart where I'll just give you little, little bits of information. And then you come back to me and be like, Oh my God, like my hips open today. And when I did that, like, this is what happened. And I'm just like, yeah, I knew that would happen, but being happy and excited for you. And then, you know, telling me like, Oh yeah, well, this is what I did today. I, I learned how to do this. And, um, you know, I sat up taller, whatever it might be. And then until they're like, okay, like, I want to know more, like, how do I know more about this? Like, or then they're starting to read spiritual books or like changing their whole life around. Right. And then that's where it gets really cool where these people have figured it out. They've got it, you know? And I think part of being a good coach <clears throat> or even like even a friend or whatever, um, is just allowing people to like 
go on their own journey and meeting them where they're at. Cause I think that like all this information is so overwhelming mm-hmm. to people. And you know, it's like I said, it goes back to that feeling of not being safe to talk about this kind of stuff. So we're all conditioned to not be safe to talk about our emotions our spirituality too. Like that's something people are terrified to talk to because they've been raised <clears throat> either as a Catholic or a different religion. And so then like getting into spirituality that is different, which is different than religion. Um, that is maybe not the same as what they were raised. It's very scary and unsafe and new for people. So then they're kind of like dabbling into that. Like, well, you know, if I'm talking about my connection with like a higher power, the universe or whatever it is, like, is that going against my religion? You know, it's not, but for so many people, it's just new and scary and no one's talking about it on the streets or like no one, no one's talking about it. Right. So it feels unsafe. So you have to meet people where they're at and let them just like have these aha moments on their own, on their own journey. Right. A hundred percent. And I think that's why, you know, fitness or exercise or something like yoga or just physical fitness in general, I think it's so good for people because one, you're moving your body instead of being, um, I guess I don't want to say lazy, but I'm trying to lethargic. Instead of being lethargic, stay on the couch because you can get away with it when you're younger for sure, but then it does catch up to you when you're older. And when you, when you're moving your body, whether it be, you know, running, potentially weightlifting, especially yoga, where you're focused on your, your mind and body, it, mm-hmm. it gets you in such a, a, I guess, a better mind, a better mind space because you, all, your endorphins are releasing. It's like a yeah. break from the outside world. And it's like just kind of you versus you. And I think it puts you in that state where you probably can deal with those emotions better than when you're, you know, you're thinking about your job, your credit card bills, how you're going to pay rent. Your, if you have kids, you got to feed your kids, take them to sports. And at the end of the day, you're just so exhausted. You don't want to deal with, you don't, yeah. you don't deal with you. So you flip on Netflix and you go to bed and then it starts all over again. And then. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah ha- we're, we're, we're part of a distracted culture, right? Like, because we haven't been taught to deal with our emotions. Like it's so, oh. And that's why I said, like, in probably the next 10 years, you know, it's going to be common knowledge. Like when someone says, how are you doing today? And someone says, oh, fine. It's not going to be normal anymore for someone to say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. It's not going to be normal. Like people are actually going to feel safe enough to talk about, hey, you know, like I actually feel like a bag of shit today. (laughs) You know, this is why, you know. And then the person listening isn't going to be alarmed either. They're going to be they're going to want to listen to you. They're going to want to receive that energy and it's going to be both ways. And I can't wait for that day to happen because yeah, like I think we really realized in this pandemic, how much we are all so messed up. We are all completely mentally and emotionally messed up. And we've been living in a society for so long that it just dumps all kinds of distractions on us. Even the gym, you know, the, the gym or, or even a yoga class, whatever it might be, our phones, all kinds of distractions just in our face at the times so that when we're hurting or sad or angry, instead of sitting there and crying it out or talking it out because we don't have any safe people around us because we're not conditioned to do that, we go and we distract ourselves with this kind of stuff. So this, with the pandemic, it took all of those things away um, or forced us like, you know, with TV or whatever. And we were just sitting with it for so long. It's just like, okay, this is not a vibe anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, 
I'm completely disconnected from myself. I'm disconnected from people. I'm like just a big disconnected source of energy, you know, and we're energetic beings. So even when like, when people are scared to talk about the spiritual piece of it, we are energetic, like balls of energy, you know, and we need to be, we need those energy cycles to just continue to be turning and turning and turning. And the distractions provide a temporary, like a temporary source of energy, I guess, to keep going. But then when all of that starts dipping down and then we're just like, Oh man, like, like you said, the lethargic, like sitting around doing nothing, you know that you feel like crap. And it's like, man, like I need a spark. I need to get moving. And sometimes for people, that's just like, that's just doing something that makes them happy, you know? And once you start doing practices like yoga or Tai Chi or meditation or anything that connects the body to the breath, um, you take that in all areas of your life. So if you're going to the gym, you've been doing your reps, you're more mindful. Um, you're mindful of the way you breathe as well. Um, and then you can carry that off into like other sports or other activities, even just walking, like turning it into like a, a moving meditation, like, wow, like I'm actually being aware of like everything around me now, the space, the smells, all of this stuff. Right. And just being, just being a conscious, hyper-aware human, you know, instead of just like being born into a, a suppressed culture of distractions living your life like that and then dying. And some people spend their whole lives just like that. You know, they've they've literally never been given the opportunity to feel safe enough to just like do what they want to do or say what they want to say, especially the the older culture, right? Mm -hmm. You get killed or whipped or beat or, you know, doing what you want or saying what you want. And I think with this new culture here, like Gen Z, I just love them. Like my kids or, you know, I think it's, I think 96 is like the last, but, um, just seeing how more like free in the way that they think, you know, like there's obviously there's a lot of, uh, good and bad things of every generation, but I just think it's really cool that they have this, like this more freedom in the way they think and are, um, than older generations are. And so that's just going to get even better and better. We're talking about their feelings and emotions. Like that's normal, you know? Yeah, I think it is a good thing. You know, I think life or what history in life goes through cycles. And yeah. so I think we're in a good point where I think obviously there are still a ton of issues in society we have to deal with. But I think it's amazing that we're at a point where we're fortunate to live in a society where, you know, we actually have the ability to talk about this certain certain um, situations like mind, like dealing with your emotions because you can get born somewhere else where, there's still maybe a hundred years in the past where even yes, women don't right. even have the ability to work or leave their home yeah. without permission. Right. And, and I couldn't imagine what some other people or certain people have been going through, through, uh, through these lockdowns because, you know, liquor stores remained open. Yeah. Cannabis stores remain open. Hey, it's, it's, it's nice to enjoy those in moderation. You have a glass of wine here, maybe a little old fashioned with like a little joint here, you know, it's nice to relax yeah. and, enjoy yourself but you know being locked down not being able to socialize like humans were like we're supposed to and yeah. then on top of that you're only interacting on your basically phones and you're only interacting with people who maybe just agree with you or, or certain microcosms where you, that if you express a, a different opinion you can be chastised for or kicked off and then you feel yeah. even more alone so then you just you have no and i believe 
know, uh, trauma has definitely gone up during lockdown. I know domestic abuse has definitely gone up during this lockdown. And I believe I had the uh, executive director of the Mustard Seed here in Edmonton, which is a homeless charity who helps homeless people become unhomeless, if that's the right term, terminology to use. Yeah. And he, um, yeah. what I learned from him, sitting down with him, the number one reason why people become homeless, he said it wasn't really necessary drugs. It's because it's uh, broken relationships. It's, they feel that whatever they're dealing with, they have no one they can turn to. Yep. And then as a result, they're on the streets. And he told me a story where I believe it was uh, someone who was homeless who I think managed to get a place to live at. And he kept uh, throwing things off his balcony. And then eventually when these caseworkers came and they asked him, like, why do you keep throwing your, 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 your items off your balcony? He's like, because when I do this, people respond. Yeah. And I think sometimes we all need is someone just to listen to us. And, and yeah. it's a shame that, you know, something that could happen in our life, we don't believe we can turn to someone. And then the next thing we know, we're on the streets. Exactly. Well, that's exactly it. Like people need to feel that they are relatable to other people. You know, when something terrible happens, like I was in a domestic violent um, relationship for 14 years of my life, you know, and I would hate, like, I, I don't even want to think about having been locked like in a quarantine with him. Like I can't imagine um, how people lived in that in this lockdown or this quarantine and when you are in a situation like that so if you're in a like a situation it could be anything like a relationship or you lost your job or you know school closed and all of these things happen in quarantine so people are getting abused people have been laid off like from different industries right um that they worked really hard for they had like this envision that all they've known in their lives like oh if i work hard and go to school i'm going to be this and then boom lockdown and you're laid off from your job um or you know look at kids like they're excited to go to college or university they're going to leave home you know they get the university experience they leave boom lockdown so then it's like hey well it's all online learning so are they going to stay there in a dorm with people they they're not even allowed to go, you know, socially meet. No. So they come all the way back home and they live back with their parents. So they're sitting there and they're depressed and it sucks, you know, like it forces us in like lockdown or quarantine has put us in this position where we realize like, man, bad things can happen to us at any time or things that we can't control. And I think that that really helped a lot of people um, become resilient and realize like, Hey, this like, these things can happen all of the time. And these do happen to people all of the time. So what, like, what do you do to get out of them? And I think like the government tried their best, maybe um, (laughs) (laughs) with different things. Like I get it. I get that they kept the liquor stores open and cannabis stores open because people are dealing with real addictions, Mm -hmm. you know, and they didn't want to overload the hospitals. If people started going into withdrawal when we need beds for COVID, like I get that. But what's happened, you know, is people have become alcoholics or have become like, you know, uh, cannabis overusers or in getting into other drugs. We've, you know, we've enabled the distraction culture on social media <clears throat> and with our phones, like times 20, you know, and the government has no clue how to deal with that or how to deal with the mental health repercussions. You know, um, suicide rates like went right up 
because people have never been, like I said, given the opportunity to talk about how they feel because it's just not normal. So then when you are thrown in a situation that you are out of, like you have no control of and you are put into isolation, even though we're like, we all have these feelings, but we're so disconnected from humanity that we can't talk about these feelings. You know, so then we think that we're all alone, like, oh, man, like, I'm such a loser. I lost my job. Like, oh, I'm such a loser. Like, I got laid off. What am I going to do now? Like, I'm going to I'm going to do this stupid job um, that has like that is way less exciting or, you know, prestigious than what I was just doing. Like, oh, that's not cool. Or like it could be anything. Right. Like, oh, I wanted this university experience. Now what? I'm back home living with my parents or, you know, you left an abusive relationship. Like, oh, now I'm living with my mom. Like we have all these feelings where it's just like, man, like I feel like such a loser. Like this is regular life stuff that happens to people every freaking day, but nobody talks about it. Like nobody talks about the setbacks at all because we're conditioned that it's not cool to talk about them, Mm -hmm. that it makes you look really weak, you know? And I think the strongest thing that a person can do is that when you do have these situations that make you feel like absolute shit is to just go out there and talk to people and just, and be like, Hey, like I'm having such a horrible time. And with the social media culture now, it's so cool because we can connect, we can connect to people's mentality, not maybe face to face or their body language, but on a mental level, like, and I'll just go back to what I was saying, but you can connect with someone on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and they'll like your thought processes will match, but maybe you'll meet in person and like your body language won't match or like your behaviors or your lifestyle kind of stuff won't match, but mentally and emotionally you can match with them because you know, what are you putting on social media? You're putting your emotional thoughts and your mental thoughts and their conditional thoughts, you know? So I think that now that we're in a position where when these setbacks happen, talk about them because there's going to be other people out there that that are like, Holy shit. Like I had no idea he was doing that. Or I had no idea she felt like that. Like I'm exactly the same way. And then you send them a direct message or a Facebook message message. like, Oh man, like I've been watching you for the last couple months or whatever. Like I had no idea that you went through that. Did you know that I went through this? And I'm just like, no, I had no idea. Like, wow. Boom. There's your connection, which never would have happened before. And so I feel that, you know, just trying to be, vulnerable and, um, strong when you're at your absolute, absolute weakest is one of the, you know, the best things that you can do, I think. And uh, as you, as you mentioned, it, it comes down to having someone you feel comfortable enough to trust with those feelings or those emotions, because again, you know, you could tell a friend who it could be your best friend, you know, not going to lie. You've been, you guys have been through some things together, your best friends, but yeah. They might not be the person who, like, who's right to at least handle that. You know, they could be That's right. like, if you're a, a dude and you have a whole bunch of dude friends or just, I mean, just typical, typical guys. Well, they might just brush it off. They won't want to talk about it. Yeah. Or, or they might deflect and do something else. Or, but I think, yeah, as, as you mentioned, you need someone who you can say, "This is how I'm feeling," and then mm-hmm. what do I do about it? I think sometimes you just need someone to listen to your feelings, not say anything. Or you need someone who can give you an outside perspective, which you never thought of. And I think it's uh, so invaluable because, you know, if you think about that, like you mentioned, the older generation. Well, if you think about not even a hundred years ago, there was World War II and then you had the Korean War, Vietnam. So a lot of these men and 
also Bryce Moon as well, who went through wars, who basically had no choice but to basically do what they had to do to either fight a war, provide for the families, because even grocery stores haven't been around that long. Like people think grocery stores have been around so long. Well, nope. There's there's famines before. People had to grow their own crops and yeah. whatever food they had together to feed their families. So we're so fortunate that, you know, it is unfortunate, you know, that, you know, our grandparents or parents, great great grandparents had to go through that. But now we have to live in this life where, you know, we can talk about these feelings, that we can express our emotions. And I think like I think like you mentioned that that people um they feel like they're losing their jobs and it's everyday occurrence. I think it's because, you know, I think as humans, one, we're social creatures. We love to be amongst each other, but I think also that we're a bit purpose driven. Feel like uh, if we feel like we have no purpose, then I think that also plays a an emotional toll on us that yeah. if we don't have the job we want or relationship we want, sometimes it's hard to be like, why do I even exist or what's yep. the point of even waking up tomorrow? Yep. That's exactly it. Like there are so many people and you like as, as a coach, like I love reminding people like you are put here for a reason and you might be going through like a, a shitty time in your life right now, but you're going to figure it out. And once you figure out what your purpose is, and usually the secret is something that makes you really uncomfortable to think about or talk about, but it's like that burning desire inside. That's usually what the indicator is that that's your purpose. That's the life work that you need to do. Like once that light switch turns on for you, then you realize like, Oh wow. Like this is, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm supposed to do. And for different people and different personalities, that just might be like a regular job. It's fulfilling to them. You know, they can provide for their family, go on a few vacations here and there. Like for some people like that, that's perfect. That's all they've ever wanted. For other people, you know, they want to be maybe like a business owner, an entrepreneur. They want to do something for other people. You know, they just want to do like charity work or deal with different things. So I think it's really important for people to explore what their interests are, especially from a really young age, and to find a role model. Like that's really important to find someone that is doing something that you want to do or that you in, that interests you and follow them. Like we have an amazing ability, you know, to be, uh, to follow whoever we want to follow and look to see, like be influenced by influence and inspired by whoever we want on social media. And so we can find these people, be inspired by them. And just like, remember too, that, you know, social media is a highlight rule or a, a highlight reel. Um, and to just, you know, only allow the good stuff to influence us, but, um, find that role model and do what they do, even if it's just in a small capacity, right. To, to, to be able to get out of bed, like you said, because I think with this pandemic, it really, it really dropped the self-worth of a lot of people and, uh, made them really think hard and look hard at their lives and be like, holy shit, like, what am I even doing here? Like, okay. So I didn't realize like that job that I lost, I had no idea that like, I, I looked at that as my entire life or that shitty toxic relationship that you had, like how invested in these people you were. And then you, you're forced in, you know, in this pandemic where you're either spending so much time with them or not enough time with them. And you're like, wow, you know, I was 150% invested into this toxic way of thinking now that I'm out of it. Like, wow. You know, so I think it really changed the per the perspective of the way we think on so many different things. 
and gave the gave people the opportunity to either sit with their feelings, which they never have, or, you know, completely change the way they think or act or live um, in, in a good way. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, like they got heavy into the drinking or heavy into the, like, not just drinking or alcohol and drugs, but like I said, um, uh, social media and just being addicted to social media or addicted to our phones or, um, you know, addicted to like, even things like, like Tinder, like just swiping, like all the time, right? Like trying to get some kind of connection from people and, or just maybe like, maybe even those types of distractions, like girls or guys or whatever, like, um, and just binging on all of this toxic crap and then coming out of it and being like, okay, that definitely was not what I needed, but you know, having that experience where you just binged yourself in something disgusting because of lockdown or quarantine. And then you get to step out of it and be like, okay, so that's what it's like to binge myself sick on this type of yeah. stuff. And then have that really beautiful experience where you can now look at that and be like, that's not the person that I want to be anymore. But thank you, quarantine, for showing me like a glimpse of this life or maybe you wouldn't have got that glimpse before. You know what I mean? So you have to look at everything as a win or as life experience and be like, Hey, wow. Quarantine taught me a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff about who I want to be, who I don't want to be. And then now let's like, Hey, let's get it together. Things are opening up. Um, this is my chance now to, to like be something. Like I think a lot of people are feeling that way. Like, man, okay. I've been on lockdown for so long. I am now appreciating new experiences. I'm appreciating what I have in front of me. I'm appreciating relationships and all of this type of different things. And, uh, and I think people are, I think a lot of people are just ready to, to just light a fire, you know, and get moving. I agree. And that's, that's like one of the main things I express that people get out of this COVID-19 pandemic is what I hope that people actually take stock of their health and feel, okay. Um, like my health is actually serious because even if you're healthy, you know, it's all, and for, I always quite it's like, it's like a lottery ticket. We never know when our numbers can be called. Unfortunately, you just never yeah. know. And, you know, I've been more invested in my health before, you know, I thought just eating healthy, but now I'm taking a whole bunch of vitamins. I'm looking at incorporating organ supplements as well for your liver or the heart, yeah. just so I could, you know, feel better, be better. And just because I look at my parents and my uncle and they have some health issues that you know, I don't want that at all. I want to be healthy. I yeah. want to, and I secondly, I hope people actually, like you mentioned, they're in these jobs that maybe they travel an hour to work, an hour from work. They're spending so much time not with their families that when now they're at home, they realize, oh, I have so much help my family, or I actually hate my job, and I hope, and they make some changes. Whether it's maybe starting a hobby, doing something like a side business, or just completely doing something completely different. You know, for me personally, I, I personally, you know, I'm going for firefighting, so I'm prepping for fire because, you know, I forgot, like, I, I, one of the things I enjoy, I like being physically fit and I love being part of a, almost like a sports team where people are all yeah. together, all have to be, you know, book, hit your own individual goals to reach a common collective goal. And yes. I think fire is something like that where it's like a brotherhood of people or a group of people where you have each other's backs. You will go through some shit for sure, but then you have people alongside who can help you along the way. And it's, it's something that's a challenge. And then and then also, like you mentioned, eliminating the distractions. You know, I think I told you this last time, and I don't mind sharing it at all because 
it may help one person. You know, I I love marijuana. You know, I, I think I mentioned a couple times I kind of got to the, the stoner category, um, but I just felt like you know it got to a point where maybe my relationship with marijuana, you know, I, I didn't get the satisfaction as I did before, and I think it was numbing some feelings maybe I was hiding from, suppressing yeah. because you know I, I am an emotional person, <laughs> and then at the, at the same time, you know, being isolated by yourself, you know, I do. You know, I do see females from time to time, you know, but they're usually the wives, they're usually friends and they're married, they're best friends, right? So, yeah. so then also at the same time watching, watching porn, I think, I think everyone watches porn and the people who say they don't, they're lying. So, you know, you all get over that. And yeah, I think sure. constantly watching por- pornography and then maybe getting sexual stimulus from it or maybe in overtime knocking a sexual stimulus, I think almost for me, it almost became like a daily routine, like part of my morning routine. Just like now, it's time to read. Now it's time to watch some porn. Like just like it became habitual, yeah. and and then so for me, and then also alcohol. But for me, you know, I decided, you know what, just even hit the reset button. You know, eliminate pornography, stop smoking marijuana. No, drink a little. Like I don't drink that much anymore at all. But just doing those things, and as I mentioned, I mentioned before, doing meditation on top of that. And then, yeah. um, uh, you, I think we know both know Stephanie Howie. She has a she has yeah. a spiritual practice now. So I decided to you know do a couple of sessions with her on top of that, nice. doing some yoga, and then I just got a new fitness and diet plan for my my coach. So I'm basically I'm, for me, I'm tackling everything on all fronts here. So mentally, physically, yeah, spiritually, and so far, I think it's been almost a month of all of that, and I feel. I, th- I feel like I'm just getting back to my normal self. You know, I'm starting to enjoy musical musicals again, like listen to the music. And it feels great, honestly. And I think yeah. people realize that, you know, hey, it's okay to have, you know, smoke marijuana here and there, but it's also okay not to do it if you don't want to. It's okay to just focus on yourself for a while and then hit the reset button and then figure out, hey, maybe your relationship with marijuana, you don't have to be a constant smoker. Maybe just a, once in a while to maybe celebrate or hang out with friends and not just maybe smoke three or four joints by yourself. Right. So, and and yeah, so um, on top of that though, because you mentioned, you know, we just talked a whole deal about emotion, emotional trauma, you know, how to deal with it, making sure that we talk to someone who we're comfortable with to unload everything and also probably also do some yoga. I think it's also good for people to do some yoga. It's so good for your joints, your body, your mind, yeah. As a also as a holistic coach, regards to diet because in regards to diet, there's so many fat diets out there, and then I think yeah. also also these diets can can be political as well. You know, there's a lot yes. of people like you got to eat vegan, this and that. You know, not saying you know vegans bad because there, there are some people who benefit from it who can be sustainable on it. And then there are, have you heard of the carnivore diet by chance? Like paleo? No, no, it's more than paleo so it's basically just just meat just meat and i actually i actually did it personally for about three weeks and for me personally i actually felt really good off it but then from the protein just from the protein and and but i imagine for you as a coach because in regards of what diet you have what it should be healthy but also sustainable you actually you should feel good when you eat like you shouldn't feel sick you shouldn't feel Maybe right. lethargic. You need to feel good when you consume foods, whatever your diet plan is. Yeah. So I mean, like I'm I'm Whole Foods, like pro Whole Foods. 
So basically the way that it works when I talk to someone about what they want to eat, like they'll tell me like, unless ethically they're a vegan, mm-hmm. um, everybody gets the same type of protocol or their like the way that they eat. <clears throat> so as a, a holistic as a holistic nutritionist, what I like to do is I give them a health assessment or I just ask them basic questions about their digestion. So if they're telling me that there's a complaint about this, that, or whatever, I reverse engineer it. So basically everything starts in the gut. Uh, Everything starts in the stomach lining. So you need to make sure that whatever you're putting into your body, you have enough stomach acid to break everything down. You have enough enzymes to break your nutrients down. When that gets disrupted, then what happens is it's like a snowball effect. So then the intestines get a little bit weird. We might get leaky gut um, where uh, the intestinal walls start to break down. Bacteria or undigested food starts seeping through the whole body instead of just going through. Um, And we start getting bloated and like diarrhea, constipation, like all the food stuff happens with um, the intestinal system going a little haywire. Then from there, the liver starts getting bogged down. So digestion is backed up. The liver can't properly filter out, you know, excess hormones, fats, proteins. Um, and then when it starts getting really bad in the gallbladder, gallbladder can't handle it anymore. Then the kidneys start getting overloaded. <clears throat> and when you are in that position, like there's nowhere else, like there's nowhere else, it ends with the kidneys. So you need to make sure so whatever is happening, you got to go all the way back to digestion. So I'll see all these people. I need a liver detox. I need this. I need that. Or I'll see like, you know, with women, especially uh, if they have like really bad periods or stuff, usually it's because of their digestion, not because of their period. So if they're getting like super cranky and bitchy and headaches and all this and PMS is because their liver is so blocked that they can't process the excess estrogen that's moving through the body, it just stops at the liver. It can't go through. So then it just goes back into the bloodstream and builds up and builds up and builds up and we start getting freaking nuts, right? So then to go back, then we have to make sure that the digestion is okay. So then I'll go ask them, okay, like almost everybody I see, they get a prescription for enzymes, every single buddy. So what enzymes do is it helps break down your nutrients when our stomach acid is low. And almost everyone I know is low stomach acid. So if you have heartburn or like indigestion, what will happen? Like you'll go to like, sometimes people even go to the ER or you'll just hop a Tums right away. That was me. Yeah. That was, so, I love spicy food. And on top of that, obviously during the pandemic, I did drink a little bit more and yeah, yeah I actually had acid reflux. So I had to basically cut out everything fun for like two weeks and pop two anti-acid medications a day. And even, even now, like, um, I love coffee. Like coffee, like I have a French press. I like to get different roasts yeah. and smell it. Can't even drink coffee now, right now. Like I try a small, small black from McDonald's, a couple sips. I'm like, can't. So now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tea drinker. Okay, so you know what's happening then? Your stomach acid is actually really, really low. So when a person starts getting acid reflux, which is like heartburn and all these things. Um, you go to the doctor and they'll tell you, oh yes, you need antacids. Well, if you have little to no stomach acid in your body, so, or in your stomach, 
meaning what whatever you put in your stomach, you should have enough stomach acid in there to break it down right away so that it's easy, digestion is fine, there's no feelings of nausea, there's no undigested food, like none of this. You have enough stomach acid sitting in your body to break food down. When, the, when you start eating things that are acidic, so like the spicy foods, um, alcohol, uh, what was the other one you named? Um, oh, coffee. So what happens is the stomach acid just gets lower and lower and lower and lower. Junk food, lower and lower. So then when you're eating healthy, like everything responds, like you feel sick, like you feel like your food's getting, your is coming right back up your esophagus. That's not acid that's coming up. That's your food because there's not enough juice in here to break it down. So then when you take an antacid, the little stomach acid that you have in there, it just gets depleted even more by these tongues and all these different things are a doctor will give you, it's called the pink lady. It's this disgusting drink that you drink that coats the stomach and coats the esophagus so that um, it like calms the, the stomach, but there's no stomach acid. So what I'll do is I'll put people on like an enzyme therapy where they're just eating like a billion different enzymes. And then we'll figure out like, do you need um, to digest your protein? Do you need to digest like fats, sugars? Like do you need different enzymes um, or just a bunch of them. And so they'll take enzymes before they eat literally everything. And um, sometimes we'll, they'll even supplement with uh, stomach acid and then we'll get it up, get it up, get it up until their digestion is okay. And then they're going to notice that everything else starts getting better. They don't need this liver cleanse. They don't need like um, these supplements for their kidneys. They're not getting kidney stones all the time. Now they're not getting bladder infections all because of their stomach acid. So I always go back like, and I always say too, as a yoga instructor and as a nutritionist, you're only as healthy as the amount of stomach acid in your stomach and the flexibility of your spine. Those are the two indicators that will tell you like how healthy you are. So enzymes, enzymes, enzymes for people to make sure that, you know, you build up the, the stomach acid so that you can digest almost anything. And then, uh, and then we go from there. Maybe they need a probiotic as well for their intestines so that all of the bad bacteria that's just hanging around the intestines, we just overload it with good, like soldiers, I call them, who just go and they kill all the bad soldiers. And then, uh, so intestines are good. So you eat something, you feel good, your nutrients are being absorbed, you get energy from carbohydrates, you're building muscle from protein. You're feeling, um, you know, cognitively good because you're digesting and absorbing fats. And then, um, yeah, like everything, everything's going great. Like your breath doesn't smell, you don't have BO, like your hair's not falling out. Like all of these symptoms, like all of these things all go back to digestion. They all go back to the quality of the stomach acid in your stomach. So for that, like when people say, oh yeah, I'm doing keto now because, you know, I want to take all this fat and all this protein because, you know, when I take sugar, sugar just makes me fat or makes me crazy. Well, you know, sugar probably makes you overweight or crazy because you're eating the wrong types of sugar mm -hmm. for one, or you're not properly food combining. So every carbohydrate that you ingest, you should have a, a fat and a protein with it to stabilize the, the blood sugar. Um, or you don't have enough stomach acid, which is like 90% of all people because we're used to eating crap all the time or just the wrong foods and we don't know it. And, uh, and then going back. So then if we repair the stomach acid, we repair the intestinal walls, the liver is functioning properly. The kidneys can filter out toxins throughout the body. 
we can have, like we can sustain a life um, with whole foods. So like, like grass fed beef, um, you know, like chicken meats that aren't like injected with medicines and antibiotics. And I mean, like cost is a huge thing for people, but trying to just trying to eat clean food, you know, Um, not really uh, restricting any types of food, Um, just drinking, eating, consuming whole foods, none of this low fat Splenda or whatever it is like, you know, real sugar from cane sugar or from honey, like things that naturally occur, like in the world that are available to us, those are the things that we should be eating. And when we eat them, like, I mean, if we're allergic to something, um, if we can eat them and we feel healthy, like those are the foods that you should eat. And then, you know, if you, if you do want to build muscle, there's different, obviously ways to build muscle through protein synthesis and all that kind of stuff. And athletes have different goals, but your regular normal person that like the reason why people want to get into keto, like keto is ketosis, right? So ketosis, what it does is it, it's trying to get our body into homeostasis. So homeostasis should be the goal for all people. Homeostasis means bringing your body back to normal. So having proper functioning metabolism um, and just like sleeping properly, our cortisol levels are, are stabilized, our reproductive hormones are stabilized, like we're just functioning well. That is homeostasis. So for people in general that they're like, oh man, like I don't, I'm trying all of this stuff and I'm not losing any weight or I'm just going so hard at the gym and I'm still small. Well, you know, taking a keto diet or something like that isn't going to help you. Like you need to go back to the basics and learn like, Hey, are you overstressed? Cause if you're overstressed, your body is like swimming in cortisol mm-hmm. and what cortisol is going to do is going to keep you fat. It's going to keep you overweight. It's going to sit in your, in your blood. So until you start dealing with the emotional issues that you have and the mental health issues that you have, you're going to be swamped in cortisol. And once you start dealing with those issues, cortisol is going to leave the body and all the things that you're doing, like exercising, yoga, swimming, or eating healthy, that's actually going to have, like, it's actually going to start working. So, um, yeah, like I do not at all believe in any of these diets, whether they've been around forever. I even, you know, some people will go on these basic diets where, it's really bland because their doctor put them on a really bland uh, diet because they react to everything. They, they're throwing up or they have diarrhea or whatever it might be. So what the doctors do, because they're not nutritionists, um, and they deal with um, not preventative care, preventative maintenance, they, deal, they treat people, mm-hmm. right? So, so what happens, um, you know, they say, okay, well, if, if gluten is, um, is making you react, we're going to take away the gluten. If uh, dairy or whatever is making you react, we're going to take it away. So then you take it away and your symptoms start to like subside and you start feeling a little bit better. You're still tired. You're still, you know, maybe your hair is falling out. You're still like, well, a little bit because you haven't repaired the digestive system. So yeah, you take away all that crap food or you take away the food that seems to trigger you and you repair the digestive tract. You repair the uh, stomach acid, you increase it. You make sure you're getting your probiotics and probiotics should always just be temporary. Like I definitely don't think that they're a daily supplement. Um, You just want to bring up the natural occurring bacteria in the intestines. So make sure that those two things are like perfect. Then once you start adding in whole foods, 
uh, again, or things that used to trigger you, they shouldn't trigger you anymore. So, and I mean, like certain types of gluten, um, I don't think are very healthy uh, for most people just because of the way it's processed. Now, mm-hmm. It's not gluten or wheat itself, but it's the process that is, has changed over the last... Like you know, pasta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like if you go to Italy and eat whole pasta, like homemade, like you shouldn't react, even if you are gluten intolerant, unless you're celiac, right? Unless you actually have an allergy to this component in this food product. But if you're gluten sensitive that you, you know, you eat Kraft dinner or pasta and you get sick, but then you go to Italy and then you eat some spaghetti and you're fine. It's the food quality. It's the ingredients and the process of these foods, right? So, so yeah. So then once you repair the digestive tract, you should be able to not every day, but you know, have a little bit of soy sometimes, or if you have some Chinese food, you shouldn't be like deathly sick for like the next couple of days where you're getting like heartburn and diarrhea and constipation or whatever it might be. You might like have a headache or like slip off a little bit or like, Oh yeah. Okay. I had, I had gluten yesterday. That's why maybe my nose is running a little bit, but it shouldn't take you out like it used to. If you focus on repairing the digestive tract. That makes uh, total sense. Cause even one of the first things my, my trainer said when he was, we were talking about diet and nutrition, he's like, Gut health is super important. Like, yeah, yeah take you by your guts. Like, he's like, I'm gonna like, you definitely have to have so, like something fermented in your diet. Like, he's like, it's like, it's like you gotta have that because gut health is so important. Like, if you, your gut's not healthy, then it's not gonna matter what you do, right? Because then, because then yeah. if you eat all these foods, well, then you don't want to eat, or you're just gonna stop eating or stop giving yourself nutrients, and it's just gonna go downhill from there. If there was uh, a couple things you want people maybe to take away or some points you want to get across for sure, what would they be? Like a couple of like main points or some rules that you live by. Like for digestion or just like just in general health, like mental, whether it be mental, diet wise, fitness wise. Holy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see. Well, I think first and foremost is trying to, trying to live in your, in your truth. That's like the first thing that you should be focused on. Like, who are you? Who are you? Why are you here? Like, I remember I did grade 11 philosophy class and those were the questions that we were asked. And I went to the library looking for the answers. Like, you you can't find those answers in a book, right? You have to actually sit with yourself and think like, okay, what makes me happy? What energizes me and what fulfills me? So those three things, um, and just connect with that on a daily basis. So what can I do? that's going to propel me or bring me to my purpose and align myself with my purpose. And what are my distractions or the relationships that I have in my life that are, are taking me away from the purpose. So it's always like finding that shift and always like recalibrating every single day. So what's going to bring you to the part your purpose? Like what's going to open up and heal and help your subconscious mind? Well, you know, maybe that's a yoga or something a little bit slower, something like maybe just a walk in the forest or something like that. Some kind of like meditation time for yourself, even if you are an extrovert time to be social when you're an introvert um, and just doing things that you really enjoy, because when you do things that you really enjoy and you step into who you actually are and, you know, you get to that age or hopefully earlier where you don't care about what other people think you're not influenced by, um, other people, 
in any way, um, in any negative way, it's so much easier to be healthy, to attract yourself to things that you want. So that's that would be step one for sure is figuring out who you are, what your interests are, what your purpose is. Um, and to, to kind of get into that, um, like just wanting the best for yourself. So always constantly learning, being resourceful, um, and just like stimulating your mind properly. Like 75 hard is a huge part of my life. I don't know if you've heard of 75 hard. Yeah. But what is it for people that don't know? What is it for people that don't know? Yeah. 75 hard is a mental health challenge. Um, so for 75 straight days, you abstain from like the distractions. So you don't have any sugar. You're on a, on an actual meal plan where there's no junk food, no cheat meals, no nothing. You're drinking a gallon of water every single day or four liters. You're reading 10 pages of personal development uh, to stimulate your mind and to invest in your mind. That's not audiobooks. That's not podcasts. Um, it's not ebooks. Um, you're doing 45 minutes of functional movement, physical activity uh, inside, and then functional activity outside. And they can't be back to back just to make it even harder. Um, so all of the conveniences that we have um, are taken away. And then, you know, everyone starts it off to be in like top physical condition because like what's going to happen when you're working out for all this time and not eating any junk food, you're going to get ripped, obviously. So a lot of people want to get, a lot of people start 75 hard for that. And then at like day 21, day 22, you're like, okay, this really, really sucks. Like this is like the shittiest (laughs) thing that I ever could have signed up for in my entire life. And you know, if you forget to do even one of those things, well, then you got to restart it all over again. And then you look, you feel like a loser, especially because you blasted it on social media. You told all your friends, like, you know, you you had water shots at the St. Patrick's day social or St. Patrick's day bar or whatever. And then like two days later you failed, you know, it really sucks. So then it forces you to think of like your actual reason for doing this. And it forces you um, to be mentally stable, emotionally stable, and mentally strong because there's going to be days that you don't want to go outside in a in a blizzard and do some go for a walk or do some walking lunges. You know, um, seventy five days is a huge chunk of the year. Every time I've done it, and I've done it three times now. I've coached groups now. You know, someone had COVID, someone went through surgery, someone went through a breakup, like. Someone lost their job. Someone, you know, um, was sued. All of these real life situations happen on a, on every, like every single day. And are you going to lay down and die or are you going to still get up and do it? So yeah, like, oh, I just, you know, I just broke up with my boyfriend, but I'm still freaking going to the gym. I'm still drinking my water. You know, I, I might, I could be laying in a pool of tears for five hours, but no, I've committed myself. I got to do all of these things. So Doing things like 75 hard or mental health challenges um, will help you if you don't know what your purpose is. So if you're just like, yeah, like I need a life purpose, like I need to do something, I need to change a career, I need to do something, like I don't know what it is. Do 75 hard. 75 hard will force you to know like what's actual meaningful for you. And it'll put you in a situation where when things get tough, it'll kind of like, highlight your, the worst parts of you that you can actually sit back and be like, Oh damn, like, Hey, this is how I react. Um, and then it'll give you that, that self-confidence to be like, okay, well, I feel like a 
total bag of shit, but I committed to myself. I have to do these things. And then at the end of 75 hard, you're like, holy moly, like, okay, like I'm just ready to go. Like I'm fired up and you'll figure it out. Like something's going to happen at the end of that process. You're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, now I have the energy. I have the self-confidence. That's the biggest thing. The self-confidence to propel me to the next phase of my life. So I tell like anyone who feels like they're just stuck in a hole, do 75 hard. And then you'll be, you might not be completely out of the hole, but you might, like, you'll see the light, you'll see the top. So do 75 hard, do a mental health challenge. Um, and yeah, just, just baby steps, work on yourself first before you even try to be in a relationship with somebody else. Um, you know, just be really healthy and, and conscious and aware of who you are and what you want. And I think everything else is just going to like fall into place from there. Well, I think that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing those points and thank you for being on. It was uh, awesome chatting with you. Awesome to catch up and yeah, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. All right. Turn it off.